Effective leadership has very little to do with position and authority and everything to do with relationships and your modeling and activity that others are willing to follow. Welcome to another session of a Learner's Mindset Discussion. I'm Dr. Dwayne Hrapnik and my colleague is... Dr. Talissa Thibodeau. We want to talk today about leadership. What's involved in leadership? Well, actually, more specifically, we want to talk about this notion of not really being able to lead an organizational change strategy unless you have the authority to lead it. So unless I'm a manager, a director, or I'm a principal or a vice principal, or I'm the head of a committee or something like that, if I don't have that position, well, then how can I actually lead change? I, I think that's a misunderstanding of how leadership really works. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this topic before I jump in and go down a, my rabbit trail? <laughs> so I want to say to folks, don't let the title fool you. Don't let the title think that just because you are a director or a manager or you know a, a department chair that you can't lead other people. There are a multitude of ways to lead other people. And we can do that through modeling, having conversations, uh, you know, experimenting and playing around with some of our ideas and having other people ask questions, but influencing others through the person that we are and who we are growing to be. And we can do that, uh, and that, that can almost be effortless. It just depends you know, on whether or not you are able to take that leap and, and try new things and experiment. Yeah, I think you've really identified some key factors. And, and I, I want to share a little bit of my own personal story here in one sense that uh, I, I've, I've gone through life and thinking about, well, one day I'm going to be in charge. You know, the, the day that I'm in charge, I'm going to do this. Well, you know what? Um, over the years, I've been a CIO. I've been a director of a variety of different things. I've been a manager of this. I've been a VP uh, in an organization. So I've been in, in a leadership and even in a senior executive role. It wasn't until I was in those roles that I realized how little control and authority I really had. And I realized that you can't make people do things. Just because you have the position doesn't mean you have the authority to force people to do something. Mm -hmm. If anything, you have to be even more well-versed in creating a source of influence or influencing people to enable them to do the things that you want them to do. You can't make people do things. So this notion that I can't lead change or I can't be a leader unless I have the position, I, I, I found out it didn't work that way. And I very quickly realized the more effective I can be in influencing the people that work with me, in creating the environment, creating the circumstances, creating the relationships, Mm -hmm. That's an interesting term. The mm -hmm. relationships. You know, I'm a rational intellectual. I'm always thinking about things. And, and you know, I, I'm thinking we can change the world just as long as we, you know, didn't have to deal with the people. And now, now I realize <laughs> we can only change the world if we learn how to deal with the people. I was so wrong. I thought I had to have the position of authority to make the change happen. It doesn't work that way change comes about through those relationships. Now, I know this is an area that you have a significant interest in, relationships. I'll say go. 
<laughs> so part of relationship building is really establishing conditions. And that is simply to allow people to, to ask questions and, and see what you're doing and, and go, oh, oh yeah, that's really neat. You know, and, and then you invest in their ideas and they invest in yours, having conversations with people and, and connecting what they're intrinsically motivated to do with um, what you're doing and then, you know, kind of stepping back a little bit and allowing, you know, things to happen organically, or as you would say, on a grassroots level, we can impact other people and not even realize that we're doing it. So back when I think to my public education years and I thought, you know, when I was a kindergarten teacher, one of the things that I love to do with my kids is really to see where they could go, where they could take their learning and, 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 you know, have the parents involved with that as well. So one of the projects I asked them to do, you know, is to, to, to select a state, any state that they wanted to learn about, and they would talk with their parents and work with their parents and they would, um, they would, uh, you know, learn everything they could about the state. What was the state called? The state flag? What did the state grow? What was the state bird? All these things. So these, the kids, you know, in having this um, conversation with the kids are like, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is fun. This is exciting. I get to pick my own state. I get to talk about it and present it the way that I want to, whether that be a poster, whether I create a, a video. And these are kindergartners, right? So when the kids came into the classroom and they presented their ideas and they had a bit of control and a bit of ownership and, and choice over that. And, you know, it was, it was, I realized something. It wasn't about me at that point. It was about them and connecting what they wanted to do um, with uh, what they were learning about and they were leading each other. And then when this caught wind at the rest of the school, other kindergarten teachers were going, oh yeah, look at that. You know, and they posted their projects in the hallway. How did you even get them to do that? They, they know what a state is really? Well, tell me how to do that. And so whenever the, the other teachers were asking me these questions, this is where I was able to engage in some dialogue, you know, that free flow of meaning where we kind of exchange ideas back and forth, have conversations and it started to expand. And so my influence expanded well beyond my own classroom walls and what I ever thought it would be. Well, that morphed into something even bigger. Eventually, my administrators were coming down the hallway asking questions, and then the news came in. I mean, it just snowballed, and then the influence there multiplied beyond what I thought it would. And that simply came back to what is this little seed grassroot idea that I have, and how can I turn this into something engaging and exciting and, and connect it back to the learning first, right? So that's one way I was able to expand my impact without even realizing I, I did. Pretty cool. Well, I, I think you've really captured the essence of what organizational change leadership is. It's about making a difference in the people's lives in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. By changing those students, by having Johnny and Susie excited about school, and when they went to other classrooms or they talked to their parents, that spreads. And before you know it, you've got other teachers, you've got other parents, you've got, you've got the formal leadership asking, what are you doing different? You know, Johnny and Susie are so engaged, what's happening? When you get people interested and excited by the fact that you're developing the relationships that you know, uh, create the change in those lives by giving the learner control and ownership over their learning, and then seeing the power that that has, when other people see that they wanna do the same thing. Well, guess what? That's how you would lead organizational change, mm -hmm. not by mandating it, not by requiring it, not by forcing it, 
but by leading it and modeling it, and then by having those involved in it, share the passion and desire. And it's, it's like this notion of a spark. You're igniting a spark and it takes off. Mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. It took me a long, long time to realize that. A long time. I'm so excited for you that you've realized it a lot sooner than I had. You know, it's taken me decades to figure that part out. Um, and, and since... I've learned this lesson. I've gone away from formal leadership. I'm just a professor working in the classroom, working online. I'm teaching. I'm recognizing my sphere of influence is extremely important. If I can change one learner at a time, I can change the world. And all it does, all it takes is that spark one, two, three, four, five, six learners, and then they influence other learners, and it just steamrolls. So whenever I hear some of my students in the organizational change course say, yeah, but I'm not a principal, I'm not a vice principal, I'm not a formal leader, I'm not in a position of authority, I don't think I can really lead change. Actually, I I think you have an advantage if you aren't in that formal position of authority. Because if you have to rely on your authority to make the change, that change isn't going to last. We know that it doesn't work that way. People don't do what they what you need them to do unless they choose to do it themselves. And so if you can create that desire intrinsically, if they can see, wow, listen, you know, what Talissa's doing in her classroom, I want some of that. I want some of that. I want my kids to have that excitement. I want them to be engaged in the same way they're engaged. Talissa, how are you doing that? <laughs> what did you do first? And, and, and can you help me with that? Can you come alongside me? That's change. That's leadership. That's leading organizational change. It's very different, very different. And I, I hope that um, others will sort of catch this spark. Any, any uh, last thoughts on this idea before we wrap it up? I think it goes back to what do you believe about yourself? If you believe you are strictly a teacher, then you're going to rely on the curriculum and the guides and the maps to tell you what to do and the district academic plan to tell you what to do. But if you think of yourself as a learner slash coach, then you start looking at learning and, and, and relationship building with other people, even your students differently, because you start thinking about what your beliefs are and what you, what you hope to share in connection with what they believe and what they want to learn. Whether it's a teacher or a student or an administrator, you can maximize your influence and maximize your impact by getting clear about what you believe about yourself um, as a learner. And it, it, so I'm, I'm shifting a little bit here. I'm, you know, it's not just teacher. I'm putting myself in the shoes of my own learners and, and you know, go back to, you know, kindergartners, you know, going back to the classroom experience. How do kindergartners relate with one another? You know, well, they, they talk about things, uh, dinosaurs, and they talk about things that excite them. We shouldn't ever lose what excites us as a learner. Um, and, when, and when that passion comes through, other people see it. You don't have to say anything. It's just something you, it, you become it. I think you've really identified the key here. <laughs> a perpetual learner is what you're talking about. Somebody who lives a life of learning, exploration, investigation. If you are a perpetual learner, you have a learner's mindset. Mm-hmm. that's catchy it's mm-hmm. contagious mm-hmm. and and having that type of passion and desire for learning spread in your learning organization make all the difference in the world mm-hmm. learner's mindset and perpetual learning 
yeah, you can change the world one learner at a time if you live that.